Jonathan Jones, and, and today um, we, we have a gentleman that I had the pleasure of meeting through a good mutual friend. He goes by the name of, of Brandon Kitchen, so shout out to BK uh, for, for, for this connection. Man, but without further ado, I want to welcome in uh, Mr. David Bolasami. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, there we go. Mr. Mr. David Bolasami, he's, he's half of the Key Squared podcast. Absolutely. Former TCU alum. Yes, sir. And and uh, Horn Frog, uh, football player. Yes, sir. And then also, and are you you the founder of Phase for Grades? I am. I'm the founder of Phase for Grades. Oh, and the founder of Phase for Grades, man. Yeah. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast, David. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. First of all, thank you for having me up here. Uh, before I start, I want to give a shout out to Kemp Hollins, the other half of Key Squared. You know. He and I are the co-hosts of the podcast, and uh, yeah, like thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So I was grateful to, for us to, you know, get get the opportunity to have, have a little call, have a little chat, man, and, and then just he, hear about your story, hear a little bit about your background, man. For those people out there who who may not know who you are yet, David, talk, just just give a, a a quick elevator pitch on on, on just who you are. Absolutely. So David Bolsami, I was born in Congo in 1997, and uh, there was a civil war in my country that year. So I was born a refugee, and we were refugees in Togo, small country in West Africa. Very few people know about Togo. And then uh, when I was 11 years old, lived there for the first 11 years of my life. When I was 11 years old, my family got uh, the reinstall through the reinstallation program, which is a program that the United States government offers, and they pick a certain amount of families like from like war-torn countries and you have to go through like all these different interviews and blah 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 and then if you get picked you get past all of them you get to get reinstalled in the united states so that's how we came to the united states when i was 11 and then i lived in a small town in west texas abilene texas mm. it was it's for me you know coming because i in togo we lived in lome and lome is the capital of togo and it's a huge city like millions of people it's just a it's a really huge city. So to go from Lome, Togo, which is like a huge city, to like Abilene, Texas, which for me I was like, well, like, <laughs> this is the country for me. I was like, yeah. Like then I was before I came here, I was scared of horses. I was like, man, I'm out to ride horses to school. This is going to be horrible. <laughs> oh yeah, I cried the whole entire flight from Lome to uh, because we flew from Lome to JFK and then JFK to DFW and DFW to Abilene International Airport, I cried the entire flight from Lome to JFK. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to have to ride a horse to school, get <laughs> on horses, and they don't have cars in Texas. Which is funny because when I came to the United States, right, and like I used to have arguments with people in class because I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm from Africa, I'm from Lome. And they would ask me like, you know, uh, like, do you, do you, do you see do you see lions when you're an African? I was like, yeah, yeah at the zoo. And like <laughs> for me, I was like, why would you ask me that? And like thinking back on it now, I was like, I, I thought there were no cars in Texas. So I guess that's, 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 
Oh, God. Man, so, David, I'm glad you said that, man, because I think that that's one of the biggest stereotypes out there that, that there is when we think of, you know, foreign countries or, or when we think of places outside the states. You know, we have this idea that we just fabricate in our head. It's like, okay, so in Africa, there's going to be lions, tigers, and bears just running around. Just like you said, you thought when you came to Texas, there, there, there was going to be horses. But uh, so, so ultimately, when you, when you came over here, though, yeah. how was that adjustment? Because I know Abilene is, yeah. I know Abilene Abilene is country. Country. It's, it's, so it, For me, it was this country. But then being in the United States for 11 years, I realized that Abilene isn't as country as, you know, it can be. It gets countryer than Abilene. But the adjustments was interesting, right? So when I came to the United States, I didn't speak a lick of English. Like, all I knew was hi and thank you. That's mm, the wow. only three words that I knew in the English language. And if you know me, I'm a talkative person. I love to converse with people. That's just who I've always been. So I'll be in class and, you know, people will talk. And I'm like, dude, I don't understand anything these people are saying. <laughs> And it's aggravating because you know people would talk to me right and i wouldn't do anything so i was just there and i like nod and smile and i'm like in the back of my mind i'm like bro like i need to find a way to learn english so i was like i'm gonna give myself six months like the whole first semester my six weeks i was like by the time i come back from a christmas vacation i have to understand this language like i can't go a full year and I'll make one friend not, not be able to converse with people. Like, that's just, that's not happening. So I literally, uh, I was in ESL classes and I just, I, I dove in. I was like, I, I read the book, listened to like my professor. When I get back home, instead of like talking to my family, I would just watch like the news, I would watch shows. I don't know what the heck was going on at first, but I was like, somehow, some way, this is going to get ingrained in my mind and I'm going to know what the heck is going on. And it worked. It worked. Like I came back and like my second semester, sixth grade, I was able to converse with people. And that that made the transition much better because once you can speak the language, then you can integrate a little bit better. Mm -hmm. It took a longer time for the food though. Like where I'm from, we eat much more healthier mm -hmm. than we do in the United States. And I'll never forget this. Uh so obviously, you know, they give you food for breakfast at school, right? Mm -hmm. And First day of school, right? I was excited, you know, to go to school. Da, da, da. I go in and, you know, you get in line, you get your food, and it's a cinnamon roll, right? Put it on my plate, I get my juice. I walk back to my table and I sat down and I just stared at this thing because I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, it's, it looks like cake, but it's like, it's for breakfast. Like, keep in mind, you know, from like, we don't, like, you don't necessarily eat sugary things. So I was like, so they give people cake for breakfast. And I was just like staring at it. I was like, I, I don't know if I can eat this. And one of my friends, my, he became my best friend. He passed away now. But he looked at it. He was like, don't you want to eat that? And I was like, no. Like, I, I don't know if I can trust it. Like, <laughs> and now, obviously, you know, I love cinnamon rolls. Like, any good American, you know, I love cinnamon rolls. But he was like, it took a while. Mac and cheese was disgusting to me. Like, mm. the concept of drenching some like pasta and macaroni and cheese for me i was just like why would you do that like it did not make sense to me at all and i thought a loaded baked potato was the weirdest thing ever i was like why do these people eat like this but now 
you know, an American, and like I love those things. And it was like, <laughs> not as good, but like at first I was just like, man, like people eat weird in the United States. Like it doesn't make sense. It's so weird. So, so how did you like? What got you to the point of of trying those things? Because if you're looking at it and you're like, "What is this? This, yep. this isn't normal." Like, how did you get to the point to where you you're like, "Let me actually try it." That's a very good question. So, uh, and that's where I think you know, like I told you, I'm very people oriented. Like, people matters, right? Mm-hmm. So, I made great, great, great friends, and you know, they made the I guess the integration process easier, right? Like it was obviously they understood that like this looks weird because they could tell that on my face, but they were like, you know, like they babied me into it. Like they were like, you know, explain to you, like, you know, how does it taste? And you know, I'm like, I don't know if I want to try that, but then, you know, I'm a I'm a curious cat. Like I'm I've always been curious. So I was like, I guess I try a little bit, a little bit, and then well, you know, I lived in the country for so long and obviously, you know, that's one of the reasons I started playing sports because I was like, if all I do is hang around people, you know, that are like me, that are from Africa, that don't speak my language, then I'm not necessarily going to get the, the full experience. And, you know, playing sports, you know, helped me discover essentially what I thought America was, right? Because, like, you know, on, on the team, there was on top of people from mm. all different, you know, backgrounds and all that. So I think that would give me like a, a much more holistic view of like what it means to be a quote unquote American. And that's how, you know, like try things little by little. And then, you know, as weird as American food was to me, his Mexican food was, was just as weird. I was like, mm. like, what is that? Like, you know, so, but you know, I have friends on the team that are Mexican and, you know, they bring food from home and I'm like, what is that? Like, what is an enchilada? Like, well, why does it look like that? And then like, no, they'll come try it. And they try it, and I'm like, this is freaking amazing. <laughs> and then I don't want to eat that. So Delicious. it was, uh, you know, being around people, talking to people, and people that are very much different from me, that have a different background than me, is the integration process for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I mean, I I see that as being super true because uh, one of my best friends, and I, I I consider him to be a brother. Now, his name is Chibuzo, and he, he's Nigerian. Mm-hmm. And the first time I really was introduced to uh, fufu, introduced yes. to fufu, uh, yeah. and, you know, and then, you know, rice with the stew and, and all yeah. that, was when I actually went to Houston and I visited his family. And mm-hmm. then, you know, like I know, when you go over there, it's like, oh, yeah get a plate and I'm getting a plate. I, I put a decent portion of rice and, and I, I put some stew on there. And then mom's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's why you're so skinny. That's why you're so skinny. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then she started just packing it on there. And, and then that was when I began to uh, really try some things that, that wasn't necessarily, you know, like the, like the norm for me. So just, just, just to your point, I yeah. think that's one of those things that brings people together. I think it's, I think it's sports and I think it's food because, Absolutely. because, because think about it, like David, you and me, mm-hmm. we can come from two different places in the world. Mm-hmm. And then if we're both Cowboys fans on mm-hmm. Sunday, when the Cowboys are playing, we're going to be yelling and we're going to be screaming for the same team after the game's okay. over. Yeah. You know, we have our differences, whatever they might be, but still it's like, those two things, I think, really unite people and I think unite cultures uh, more than anything. Uh, I agree with you a thousand and one percent. It's funny you said this because, like, not too long ago, 
one of my good friends, I'm actually going to be a best man at his wedding. His name is Nate Guyton. Nate Guyton is a Caucasian male from George, from Atlanta, Georgia. Nate Guyton come from a family of, you know, higher socioeconomics. Me and Nate background totally different. We come from two different worlds. But me and Nate lockers are right across from each other. Mm. All four years at TCU, like I've known Nate. All four years at TCU, I've talked Nate. Me and Nate, obviously we have similar values, but we see the world from two different spectrums in some instances. But because of sports, because of how like me and Nate, we bled, sweat, cry, everything together. Like there's a bunch of, you know, topics, obviously, you know, that, um, you know, a controversial topic. I'm able to go talk to Nate. I know he doesn't see how I see it, but we're able to have a conversation about it and it gives me insight. Okay, this is how the other side thinks. And it's respectful at the end of it, whether we agree about it, whether we disagree about it, we know it's all love, we go about it. But we would never even have had that opportunity without sports. You know, it was just, it, 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 it's something that, that brings people together, whether, you know, right, wrong, or different, that's what sports do. And also for the food part, like, like uh, what Chibuzo, your friend Chibuzo did to you, I did that to my friend, like, I remember uh, one of my good friends, Cam, Cam Holland, who we do the podcast with. There's a, African, a Nigerian restaurant near Cedar Hill that we would go to. And, like, that's when I got him to try, you know, like, fufu. I got him to try, like, other, like, you know, other foods. And, like, he had the same reaction that I did the first time I saw uh, American food. He looked at it, and he's like, oh, no, they, they come from Louisiana. He was like, man, I'm from Louisiana. You know, we don't, we don't eat like this. I was like, man, just try, just try. Just, you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, it's just, it's me. Everybody, like, you know what I'm saying? A, 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 a piece of me that's well cooked and well spiced. Just try, try one piece <laughs> and let me know how you feel. And he tried it. He was just like, this is amazing. And it was just, that, that's how you get people, like, to, I guess, try things that they won't necessarily, you know, try. And even for me, uh, I got to, a chance to study abroad in China, you know, like, like I told you, I'm very uh, interested in China. It's a, it's a country that fascinates me for different reasons and that's one of the reasons why I'm learning Mandarin and one of the things that like got me to like you know try to converse with the people like I guess you know like people look at me you know I'm a big black guy and they're just like you know stare at me but like, I come in and like we get food and sit at a table with you know food like because I'm eating you know their food and they're like you like this I'm like yeah like this, this is pretty good and, like you know it starts a conversation and then you know it goes from food to you know, what are your, uh, what do you do every day? You know, what's your daily life like? How do you feel about, you know, various topics? So yeah, food, food definitely brings people together. Everybody got to eat. Everybody got to eat. Every, everybody got to eat, man. And, and then David, with you talking about, talking about food, I want to, I want to just go back to the football aspect because you went, went to TCU for four, four years. You, you played yeah. football for four years. Talk a little bit about that experience because, um, I mean, I know TCU is, one of the most prestigious well i mean i would say tcu is easily one of the most prestigious schools in texas but then mm -hmm. even across the country the name tcu is, is is recognized just for you know professionalism for quality of education even for the football program just talk, yeah. talk a little bit about that absolutely you know tcu is a it's a i would say a wholesome institution right it's mm -hmm. it's not just about sports it's not just i mean so it's a well-rounded school right from like the faculty and stuff to also, you know, the sports things that we have. And uh, I'll say coming to TCU, one of the best, you know, decisions that I've made in my life. And not just because of the football part, but because of the communal aspect of TCU. And um, 
I'm a firm believer you get out of things what you put in, right? So with that mm-hmm. being said, is it easy for people to integrate, especially, you know, African-Americans or people of minorities at PWI? Absolutely not. It's not. I mean, you, you work in the classroom. I mean, for me, I graduated with a, a, a combined, my bachelor's in combined science, biology and psychology. Uh, in my biology classes, the first time, you know, when it came to group, you know, study session and all this, people didn't want to study with me at first. I remember my microbiology test, right? Before the first test, you know, people would talk about, you know, coming together and studying together. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm the big dude, you know, that's on the football team and they didn't want to study with me. We get grades back from the first test. And, you know, they asked me what I made. And, you know, I, I did pretty decent. I think it was like, what, 35% of the class that paid even passed the test. And I, I did very well on the test. Now, you know, they want to study with you. So obviously you're going to have those uh, essentially, I guess, microaggressions that comes with being at a PW. Yeah, but I do think that I'm a, a guy, I'm, I'm always going to put my best forward up first. Now, if you cross me, I'm not going to forget it, but I'm going to put my best forward first and then, you know, go along with it. And I think TCU has done a tremendous job, at least for me, in my experience, helping me, you know, get through uh, places that I wouldn't necessarily have gone through. Like I said, I got a chance to study abroad, go to China. I mean, I got very good, but I, I'm our faculty that I email like till this day, like I just graduated, just you know checking up on me, you know talking about you know what's my next step in life, what I'm working on. I got a chance to pitch at a social impact challenge and get funding for a project that I'm working on in the community and work along staff at TCU to get those things implemented. But then on top of that, the athletic side of it, you know, has allowed me to do you know different things and explore those different facets of my life, and then. Uh, like I said, you know, uh, me and my my teammate, Kelton, got a chance to do a podcast. And I know some of my friends at other schools, that wouldn't necessarily have cut it. So even though, you know, we might have had, you know, uh, I guess getting the podcast started wasn't the easiest of route. Mm-hmm. We still were allowed to do it. And then we still were able to, like, push it whichever way that we're, uh, whichever way we wanted to do it. So that was, that was you know, it, 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 the school opened a lot of doors for me. Yeah, and see, I think I think you hit on something that's really big, and I think sometimes people may overlook this being a uh, maybe be, be, being a student athlete, um, yeah. and, and it's the fact of what a good reputation will get you. Because, like you said, you know, you went in, you you, you did your work, and and then now you've graduated. You played four years of football. Yeah. <clears throat> you graduated from the institution, but now you have professors that you're either working alongside of or professors that are seeing what you're doing next because what you did from my from my understanding from what I'm hearing you share uh, what you did is you set yourself up for success by performing at a high level and and now there are teachers that are like well David how can we help you what can we do to further what you're doing because we believe in and we believe in your name we believe in the work that you're doing so man I, I want to tell you first I want to tell you congratulations on, on graduating Appreciate you, bro. Yeah, man, because I, I know that that's that's not easy. And then you you say you graduated with no student loan debt. No, sir, zero dollars. Come on, David. So you so you got the degree with no student loan debt. Yes, sir. Uh, you 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 pitched at a, at a social impact competition. You said. Yes, sir. And and then now you're 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 starting something. You're starting something in the community. Talk talk a little bit more about that. You told me about you starting something in the community. Uh, yeah. So I, I got a chance to to pitch at the social impact challenge and. The whole premise of that challenge was for uh, students or faculty at TCU to 
come up with an idea and then it was like shark tank but your idea had to do something involved you know in the society to help society so there were a bunch of groups that got to pitch their idea and my uh pitch won first place and then i got funding for faithful grades and faithful grades is a idea that i had that uh, which goal is to bring the to to rise the the value of academia in low socioeconomic uh, neighborhoods, mm. and the the reason for that, my my whole mantra behind that was especially for African American males. Why did I focus focus on African American males? Because if you look, you know, like before this, you say uh, you said something that was very true that I agree with. Facts are facts. You can't go against that. Mm-hmm. If you look at our counterparts, our African American women, they are winning from an education point of view. They're, I think, if not second, third highest educated in the country. Mm-hmm. And if you look at entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. African women are within the past five years the what's the, the most rising demographic of entrepreneur in the United States. Yeah. So women are doing their their freaking part, and they're winning right now. We are not. We have room. We we need to catch up, and that's not saying you know I'm, I'm not one of the. I don't like you know being negative. That 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 means there's an opportunity mm-hmm. for good to happen, and I think one of the things that can that can and will help that is to bring back the value of academia for young black male. And the reason for that is most often than not, when people see a young black male, the conversation that they have with that with that with that with that child is. Uh, towards sports i'm gonna i'm gonna take my story for example like i'm six foot six black male the first thing everybody asks me as soon as they see me is my sports that's the first thing it doesn't matter that you know even even like people don't know that i'm interested in so many things you know travel to china all these different things especially like one of the the conversation that they want to have with me is towards sports now that doesn't mean that's I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but if that's the only thing that you are putting into your child, that like I don't think your that child is going to reach its full potential. Why? Mm. Because if you look at the numbers, because again, facts are facts, that child is most likely not going to play professional. But that is all right. Like that's the thing, you know, I, I like saying that that is totally fine. Like mm-hmm. the fact that your child your child, your, your your male child is not going to play in the professional league. Is something that is totally fine because when we analyze the numbers, he is going to make way more money doing something else mm. than playing sports full time. Now, why does that matter? If you do not prepare that child from the very beginning into setting himself up through academia to make you know those funds, which is going to bring not only himself but his family socioeconomic level higher, then uh, he would never get the opportunity to essentially blossom as a person. And mm. I'm a firm believer that society are shaped by thinkers. For you to think, essentially you have to learn how to think. Not saying that sports don't teach you how to think, but sports only teach you one facet. I'm a huge, I'm an avid reader. I love reading, right? And I think, you know, one thing, one reason that I love reading is through academia, like through having conversations with, you know, people with PhDs, because for you to have a PhD, you have to have read a lot. It doesn't matter what your PhD is in. Part mm-hmm. of the, the the curses of you getting your PhD is for you to have read a lot. So you're well read. So all these different things you learn through academia, but most often than not, our conversations that we're having with our youth, our black male youth, is towards sports. So I was thinking, okay, 
uh, what is the area in the black community that can use that, that can be used for socialization that can be used to push this message of you know uh, push academia forward? And I remember I was reading a book about the civil rights era, and one of the areas where uh, people congregated to talk about where the next march was going to be at, you know, things that were happening in the community, through the, through the nation, was the barbershop. And I remember when I read that, I laughed because I was like, the barbershop? Like, I go to the same barbershop, but that I've been going to that barbershop for a while. And I was like, I know what I talk about with my barber. And it is not <laughs> what's in this book. But that's when, like, the, the light bulb went in my head. I was like, whoa. I was like, so you mean to tell me the barbershop is a place where this can happen? Like, this is something that is very positive. Technology now, when we talk about the barbershop, is the mundane thing, music, videos, sports, you know, just idiotic things. But I was like, this can be flipped for good. So I was like, okay. You know, humans in my, in my psychology classes, we learned that humans are pushed by incentives, right? So for, for I need to find something that not only incentivizes the barber, to push that conversation further, but also the parent to feel comfortable like bringing their child into that uh, environment over and over again to, you know, to incentivize, you know, this idea of academia being pushed forward. So that's when it clicked, you know, to talking through the Idea Factory. One of, we have a great uh, program at TCU called the Idea Factory, and it's a place where any students at TCU campus can go to. And you can basically talk to Dr. Grell or Cedric James, and they help you think through ideas through the ideation process. Really great place. So I went in and I was like, Cedric, you know, I have this idea to do, like, I think I can make it work. This is what it is, you know, and explain everything. And that's when we figured out the missing link was a vision board. And what's a vision board is basically just like a board, right? And before that, I had to do like research. So I had to like walk to random people. Like I'm a big black male. Walk to random people in Hewlett Mall in Fort Worth, Texas was like anybody that looked like they may or may not have a child. So if you look like you was somewhat of childbearing age, I walked up to you and I was like, you know, like ask you like various questions about, you know, like uh, who do you trust with your child? How do you feel about barbershops? All these different questions because I wanted to find out, hey, how often do people, uh, switch barbershop which i found out mm. that uh in the black community we're very loyal to our barbers like mm -hmm. the only reason you'd switch your barbers if some drastic that happened either that barber has to have died the place burned down like mm. something drastic black yeah. males very rarely switch from the barber which is very good so that means that there's trust there because mm. you see that person over and over and over again you trust that person for your hair and you go in there over and over and over again so that socialization process can happen there so i was like okay boom so it's the place there so i was like i, I brought the the, the video i was like so the I, I brought barbara's the idea of a vision board i was like you know all i need y'all to do is um when the child has a report card put the report card on the vision board now how does that incentivize the child well every report card they have on that vision board they get a free haircut right so that's less money out of his pocket or the mother's pocket so that's incentive on both sides and uh, what you call it? On top of that, the parents feel much more comfortable bringing that child there because they know that that barber is keeping their child accountable for mm -hmm. their grade. But even on top of that, the mere fact that the parent knows that a child is getting kept accountable by the barber incentivizes the parent 
to keep bringing that child there. So even though you get that free haircut, then that parent is going to bring that child around, which is going to keep putting money in your pocket. And it creates this ecosystem in which everybody is winning. Not only does the barber keep his place as a leader in the community, because they want to be a leader. They know that they have a place in the community, but it's something that is helpful and good. And that's basically the, the idea behind Facebook. David, man, this is man, this this is so good, David. I'm I'm, I'm gonna have to bring you back, man. We about to run out of time, but man, I'm, I'm I'm really enjoying this because I mean, when we had our first conversation offline, you know, we we kind of talked about this, but we didn't really get into your story or nothing like that. But man, this was so much better than I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be good, but man, this, this is I'm 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 really enjoying this, man. I'm, 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 I'm definitely. Yeah, de definitely enjoying this, and man, grateful for 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 what you're doing with with the fades for grades, and uh, man, dang, that's that's good, David. Thank you. Good, good job, man. You you do you're doing some amazing stuff, like like really, because you're you're really setting people up to create a legacy of leadership, because barbers people are loyal to their barbers the barbers are typically loyal to their shop but there are new barbers coming in because you know there's always like one new barber every so often yes. they may or may not like that shop and they might go somewhere else but either way if they're getting exposed to the phase for grades then that's something that could be incorporated oh, absolutely elsewhere. man david this is so good dave we're, 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 go we're gonna bring you back uh, we're going to bring you back. We're going to talk a little bit more about Fades for Grades and just seeing what you're doing. But before I let you go, David, you're, you, you're a former football player. Absolutely. And, and, and you've heard of something called the two-minute drill, right? Yes. yes. Okay, cool. So I'm about to go ahead and put you through because I'm beyond the ball, you know, because yeah. you're exemplifying what beyond the ball is for and what it's all about. But now I want to put you through the two-minute drill. It's going to be couple rapid fire questions okay and you're going to just just hit them off okay and and, and then i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you go man i'm gonna let I you, you man. so are you ready i'm ready all right we're gonna go ahead and get into it here we go favorite food well burger i love a good burger okay okay uh what, what book are you currently reading well i just got done talking to strangers by malcolm gladwell he's my favorite author i've read his whole like <laughs> I've read everything that made us bring. So I just got done talking to strangers. I think picked up my new book, yeah, but I should have a new one with me Gotcha. Okay. What what's your quarantine Netflix show of preference? I'm rewatching Game of Thrones right now. Um, I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. I, here's another fact about me. I took the Game of Thrones class at TCU when it first was available. I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. So yeah, I'm watching it. Okay, your your all time favorite movie, The Godfather, first one. Okay, your, uh, what's what's your favorite quote? <laughs> From The Godfather. Okay, I'm going to mess this thing up, but it's when uh, the the baker walked into the Godfather's room, uh, what you call you know, asking for uh, for, for help because like uh, he was basically his daughter was getting like harassed. And like he asked for help, and the Godfather looks for look, looks him in the eye, and he tells him, you know, you come to my wedding, don't even call me, don't even call me Godfather, you don't even kiss my ring, but you ask me for my help, and he like goes on and he was like, you know, but I will help you because your family is on that. But it's like, don't forget that I helped you when it comes down to faith. Mm. 
Okay, and then and then what what's one tip that that you would give to a current student athlete? Man, Mac, one tip: being an athlete, you're going to be asked to give everything to your sport, and you you're going to because that's part of being you know competitor, and you're going to give your all to your sport emotionally, physically, just everything to your sport. Don't feel like that's the only thing that you can give your all to. Mm-hmm. I'm not of the mindset that like all your energy can only be at one thing. No, like humans are amazing creatures. Like we, we really are. Like if you I'm I'm a big I'm a big history nerd, right? So like you look at like the accomplishment that humans have been able to to, to accomplish throughout time is just amazing. Think about the pyramid. Think of like <laughs> think about the pyramids. Think about like how heavy those center, those are tons, right? They didn't have any of the technology that we have today, but somehow, some way, they found a way to stack all those heavy bricks together and create them that one. Like think about like the strides that we have made, like scientific wise, all those different things. So the limitations that we put on humans is it's, it's all in your head. Like mm-hmm. I, I believe as long as know what you're you know what, what you want and you know you can put your all into various various, various things now that doesn't mean that some won't have to give because you can't have your cake and eat it too something is going to have to give right and that's something i told my teammates all the time i was like you know when they asked me you know how are you able to do you know sports and like put your all into you know school and you know the things that you do off uh what you call off campus i was like some had to give and you know, like that means you might not be able to go out as often. You know, that means you you might be, you know, in 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 um, environments that you won't necessarily feel the most comfortable at, but you know that they're going to put you, you know, at a different uh, pedestal in life. But you can def- like don't think that sports is the only thing that you can give your all to because that's a lie. Boom, there it is. Yeah, there it is, man. Today, <clears throat> man, to to. Today, I enjoyed myself. Today, I'm glad that we had the opportunity to bring on Mr. David Bolasami, yes, founder of Fades for Grades. Yes, sir. Thank you. You alum. Yeah. Go Frogs. Go Frogs. Go frogs. But, uh, man, David, thank you for taking the time and, uh, and, and hanging out with us today. And, man, if I could be a resource to you in any way, please let me know. Absolutely. But everybody, oh, David, where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Uh, uh, I'm a big LinkedIn fan. I don't necessarily, I don't use social media that much. Like, I get on Twitter for last. I I get on Twitter for last because the I, I call them the Twitter population. Twitter population is the most hilarious people on earth. So I, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't have social media on my phone. I download it for an hour, like every night. So I would download Twitter for like an hour, and I would just scroll for that hour and just, just laugh because. There's, 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 it's entertainment. I give them that. But I'm big on LinkedIn. So if you want to reach out to me, just my name is David Bolasami, B O L I S O M I on LinkedIn. And uh, I'll, I'll make sure to reach back to you. David, man, appreciate you hanging out with us. And everybody, thank you all for rocking. Thank you all for listening. Uh, all, all the ballers out there, be sure to connect with us on uh, Instagram at Go Beyond the Ball. And then rate, review, and share the podcast. My name is Jonathan Jones. We had the pleasure of hanging out with Mr. David Bolasami, and this is Beyond the Ball.
Thank you. Thank you. Great job. Oh, my goodness.